Morning, everyone. Morning, I'm going to speak salt. Summer's here, right? Yeah. I was just in Chicago this week, and let me tell you something. I want to just encourage all the Texans in the room here. There's, no, there's this nonsense that you go up north, and it's going to be cool, and it's going to be amazing, <laughs> and it's going to be so much nicer than Texas heat. Bro, it was like 110 degrees in Chicago. Man, that place was hot. It was hotter than Texas. I couldn't believe it. I think you guys have been lying to me all this time. It's not cold in the Midwest. Eh? Although that was the only two days of summer I heard on the radio. We have one day of summer. It's today. But then it lasted three days. Anyway, I'm just saying that uh, Texas is not the only hot place in the world. Many others. What a sweet time of worship. Thank you, team, for doing that. Um, we appreciate everybody that always serves so faithfully in our church. And yeah, I'm just excited to be here this morning to see what God's going to do. I do want to say this, and I heard something this week that really impacted me, and it was this. Worship is only worship when we forget ourselves. And so the moment we start to get to the point where we've actually forgotten who we are and what we're doing and all about us, then it becomes worship when we put our eyes on our King. And so I want to keep pressing into Jesus more and more as I worship Him, and I hope that we'll do that too. So this morning, if you're new here, welcome. I'm not sure if we have any new people here today because it is summertime and uh, it's uh, getting close to beach time and all that stuff. But if you are new, welcome. If, you, if I haven't seen you, it's good to have you here. How many of you men who were here last week Sunday, even if you weren't, how many of you had a good Father's Day? Come on, man. Hey, Father's Day was awesome, right? Had a great Father's Day. I thought last week was pretty awesome. It was amazing, right? Hey, right. Thank you. Uh, all the men, I hope you felt honored. Shannon told you it was amazing. Okay, that's right, Shannon. It was amazing, right? And that's how it is. That's what you're going to stick with. I just wanted to thank, you know, all the people that were involved in making mothers, five mothers. You see, I've just ruined it. See, that's in my mind. It's only about my wife. I only think about my wife. That's how men serve. We serve and hearted. I want to thank all the people involved in making Father's Day happen. Stephen and Mary Seacrest did a great job. Stacy, uh, all the volunteers, the greeters. Alex put together a great Father's Day video. Everybody that was involved in every area, I want to just say thank you so much. In fact, on that note, this church wouldn't be able to be what it is if it wasn't for all the people selflessly serving in this church. And so that's a big part of what we do in the kingdom is we get behind the things of God and we do them. And so we're a combination of all these different gifts in one little local church that makes the kingdom of God advance. It's not about me preaching the gospel or people singing up on stage or somebody, you know, setting up the slides. It's about the king and the kingdom and it takes all of us to advance this gospel. And I say all of that on the back of the fact that this morning we're starting a new season, season and series. It's a season as well now. That's a new name for it. We're starting a new season. I feel like I'm talking about a sitcom, right? It's a new series we're starting today, a six-part series called Gifted. It's about discovering our superpowers, and the intention of this entire series is for all of us to better understand, discover, activate, and operate in all the various gifts that God has placed in us and in this local church. So before we get to the text, I want to tell you about two resources that we have made available for you. The first resource is a 31-day devotional. Here it is up on the screen on the right-hand side. We have this in two various versions. The one is this printed copy here. You should have, if you wanted a printed copy, they're outside. Uh, they're outside on the table as you walk out. And this book is pretty awesome. It was developed by a partnering church called City on a Hill Church or City Church. And what this book does is take you through this entire series as a daily devotional. There's six days in each week. Uh, in this series, so please don't read seven days because then you'll be behind everything we're doing. Read six days every week and you'll be able to stick to the flow of what we're preaching on every week in this series. If you don't want the printed copy, there is an ebook version as well, which will be available on our website this afternoon. 
So that's the one resource that we've made available. The second resource is a spiritual gifts assessment. It's based out of the spiritual gifts or the grace gifts mentioned in Romans chapter 12. And so if you read our emailer, you'll be one of the very few people. So congratulations. <laughs> if that's you, I'm going to call you out, raise your hands, because you need to be recognized publicly. Thanks, Tim. Thank you. You only read it because you're testing it. But if you do read our emailers, they go out every week, just in case you're wondering. Uh, in there was a link to the spiritual gifts assessment. Now, of course, uh, you might not have opened it, and that's okay, because there's no judgment here, just to be clear, although I wish you would open it. There was a link in that mailer, but if you haven't got the mailer or haven't opened it this afternoon, along with the e-book of this devotional, will be the link to the spiritual gifts assessment. It'll take you about five minutes of your time. It's all online, and it will help you understand the gifts that have been placed in you and their order of you know, strength. Now, just to be clear, there is no winning profile. Okay, this is not a competition. We're not going to go do the spiritual gift assessment and then start WhatsApping it to everyone else or texting and say, look at me, I'm awesome. No, it's not about that. It's about saying, what is God placed in me? What are the gifts that he strengthened me in? What are the gifts that I most operate in? And so doing that, I can operate at the fullness that God's got for me. It's no better, no worse. There isn't one type of profile that's right or wrong. Every profile, in fact, will be unique, and we'll touch on that a little bit later. But please do that assessment. It will help you throughout the rest of the series. Please turn us in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. We're going to read this morning from verse 3 to 8. Um, before we do that, I'd like us just to bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. Thank you, Lord, that we can have fun in church, that we can laugh, that we can be ourselves, we can be authentic in your presence, Lord. I thank you for every single person that you have brought into this local church, Lord, every single person that is seated here today, even those watching online, and I thank you for the gifts that are inside each and every one of us. Every one of us in this room contains something of you in us, and that's a powerful thing, Lord. We never want to take that for granted. I pray that as we unpack your word this morning and as we hear about gifts, I pray that your spirit would be moving and that you would do something in our midst today. I pray that you would release an anointing this morning uh, and that we would leave here very different to the way we were when we first arrived, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to read five passages of Scripture this morning. I'm going to read them all first. I'm going to just set this up, go through all of them, uh, or at least read them all, and then we're going to unpack them as we go along. I've also got a little bit of an illustration that I want to do here, and you're probably thinking, oh no, there he goes, he's doing an illustration. I'm not Charlie, just to be clear. Charlie does the greatest illustrations because of his facial expressions. He looks weird most of the time. So I'm not really good at this, but I'm going to try it out. So just be gentle on me this morning, but let's read Scripture. Verse 3 says this in Romans 12, For by the grace given to me, this is Paul speaking, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Critical, God has assigned this measure of faith. Not me, not man, not anyone that's spoken into your life, not any teacher, not any parent, God has assigned a measure of grace to each of us, a gift. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. I want you to say that, members of one another. Of one it's important. You're going to come back to this a little bit later on. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Again, these are given to us. Let us use them then. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, that's encouragement, 
the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So let me let, set the scene for us this morning with this really simple illustration. Shannon, you can have your book back. Thank you very much. Sorry about that. I want to just surprise you this morning. I know this is going to come as a major shock to all of you. I hope that you all don't change the way you think about me when I tell you this. I know it's going to be hard to hear. So here it goes. I'm actually not from here. You know, I really am not from Texas. I know it's hard to tell, but this is not my homeland, right? I don't come from Texas, not West Texas even, not South Texas. I don't come from the United States of America. In fact, I come from a place called South Africa. But that being said, even though I was born in South Africa, South Africa is not really my heritage. In fact, my heritage is more Italian than it is South African. I grew up with two Italian parents who uh, taught me everything I need to know about Italian. In fact, I could speak Italian before I could speak English. Let me ask you a question. How many of you know what Italian people like to do? It's eat. Eat. They don't like to, they don't like to eat deep dish pizza. They don't eat deep dish pizza in Italy. Okay, they don't do that. But they like to eat, right? And in order to eat, what do you need to do? You have to cook. Okay, so there's two phases to eating, right? You've got to cook first. Now, let me tell you, I grew up in a home, very blessed, uh, with great culinary genius. My mother was a great Italian cook. She's like that typical Italian mom, the one that, you know, comes out and starts cooking from morning to night, cooked great food, most amazing food I've ever eaten, at least. Uh, and my dad and my uncles and my godfather, my godmother, you name it, everybody owned restaurants. So I grew up in this environment where I was consistently and continuously surrounded by food, smells of food, different types of food. I grew up very lucky to taste many types of Italian cuisine. But in that, I got this affinity in my life to want to become a cook. Not a chef. I never wanted to become a chef. My sisters did hotel school. I didn't want to do that, but I wanted to cook food. I take great joy in cooking food. And so what I've done this morning is I've brought five utensils that I use most often in the kitchen. Okay, they've come with me to church this morning. Now I want to, for you, if you could, just imagine this. Imagine one night after me cooking Catherine's favorite meal or Kat's favorite meal after, you know, of course, you know, loving on her and making sure she feels special. I cook her a great meal. And then I clean up the kitchen because every great cook cleans up the kitchen, right? And I'm just saying this because Catherine's not here today. And so I clean up the kitchen like I should because I'm serving her. Then all of a sudden I pack all the things away. Now these five utensils decide that they want to get into an argument. And the argument starts like this. This guy here, which is my chef's knife, just don't be scared, it's just a chef's knife. This knife decides that he wants to tell all of these other utensils that he's actually the greatest utensil in the kitchen. He says, listen, guys, I'm the greatest utensil, the most important utensil, utensil, because Marco uses me to cut everything. This knife is razor sharp, by the way, so please don't come up here and touch it. But he says, I'm the greatest because every time Marco needs to cut something, he uses me. In fact, he actually likes the way I look too. He's pretty, pretty sweet, this guy. <laughs> to which the watering jug, or this guy, the measuring cup, what do you call them? Measuring jugs, yeah. Measuring cup. This measuring cup decides, actually, hang on, you know, knife, let me just tell you something. You might be sharp, and you might cut well, but not everything needs to be cut. Sometimes you've got to measure things. If it wasn't for me, Marco would mess all these meals up, because he's got to measure stuff in me in order to make the meal. The spoon's having none of this. This guy, yeah, he's saying, no, 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 you guys, listen, I make pasta sauces, I stir the pasta in the pot, I toss salads, I do a whole bunch of stuff in Marco's hands, so clearly I'm the greatest. Now, these guys... You know what these are? These are called bra tongs. You don't know what bra means. It's barbecue. Barbecue tongs. These tongs are probably one of my favorite utensils. However, they know it. And so they say, listen, <laughs> you guys all really aren't the greatest because we are. Because Marco's favorite thing to do on a Sunday after church, apart from mowing the lawn, 
is cooking on the grill. And every time he needs to turn a steak, he uses me to turn the steak. So while I might not be used all the time, I'm most certainly his favorite. And then this guy, what do you call these guys in America? Pot holders. We call them oven gloves. See, very utilitarian, oven gloves. This guy, maybe it's a girl, I'm not sure. I haven't quite decided yet. Could be a girl, I don't know. He or she pops up and says, you know what, let me just tell you guys, you're all wrong because actually I'm the greatest because we all know that the one thing that Marco does really, really well, apart from burning the food, is burning himself. <laughs> and so if it wasn't for me, none of you would even have Marco around to cook. So they get into this great discussion and say, let me ask you a question. Which one of these five utensils that I've brought with me today to church is, after all, the greatest utensil? Oh, they're all great. Oh, I love it. They're all important, the Bratongs. That's what I would have chosen. But Michelle is actually right. The answer is none of these are the greatest. Why? Because each of the, these different tools have been created to be fundamentally different. By design, each of these tools has been created to fulfill a specific task. There is a specific function that each of these tools carry. And so none of them are the greatest, but they are the greatest at doing what they do. The knife is definitely the best at cutting. The spoon is definitely the best at stirring. These guys are the best at flipping steaks. This guy or lady protects my hands, and the measuring cup always measures well. The only thing I have against this thing is it's in weird stuff, ounces and what, what. I don't understand that stuff. It should be milliliters and grams. I'm just saying that as an aside. <laughs> But here's the deal. We have all been created specifically, designed by God intentionally to carry specific and individual gifts, which brings us to our first point. Every single person in this room, whether you choose to believe it this morning or not, are gifted. You are gifted. Romans 12, 3, Paul says this, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. First thing that Paul's trying to tell us is this. You have been given grace by God, and in that grace is a gift. This is Paul, the great apostle, author of three quarters of the New Testament, witness of the resurrected Jesus Christ, raised the dead, preached to nations, unlocked territories for the gospel, done more arguably than any other apostle ever had done. And what he says is everything that he's done through his gifting, through his ability, through his strength, through his courage was a grace from God. He doesn't say, listen, I spent years sitting at the feet of Gamaliel, standing underneath him, becoming the Pharisee of all Pharisees just so that God could use me. No, God gave this to me as a grace. Everything I have is because of God's grace, which tells me that if salvation is one of the greatest gifts, in fact, the greatest gift we could ever receive, the gifts of God are second to that. And just like salvation is free, it doesn't cost you anything, so do the gifts of God. They come to you freely. God gives them to you. Paul clarifies this by saying this, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. That tells us that no matter how unworthy we feel this morning, as it relates to your effectiveness in the kingdom or even your ability to serve in the kingdom, God has placed something in you that we all desperately need. Which brings us to our second point, and that is that we are all connected. Sometimes, I, not sometimes, I used to believe that I could do church on my own. In fact, I used to have this saying that I would say all the time, I love Jesus, but I hate the church. The fact is, we cannot survive without each other. We cannot thrive without each other. We cannot achieve the fullness that God has for us without each other. In verse 4, Paul says, For as in one body we have many members, 
and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. We are members of one another. I bet you've never thought about anybody else in the kingdom in that way, that actually we belong to them and they belong to us. But that's what Scripture says. You see, this knife, as great as it is, as sharp as it is, as beautiful as it is, I mean, it even shines so nicely, I can see myself. But as great as this knife is, this knife is no good in making a meal on its own. Unless I want to chop everything and become a vegetarian. If there aren't vegetarians, yeah, that's okay, just to be clear. But this knife can't cook my steak. This knife cannot stir the pasta. I probably could, but it would be very weird. <laughs> this knife cannot flip pancakes. In other words, this knife is one part of a much-needed group of things that come together collectively to be able to make the meal that I want to eat. And that's the exact same way the church operates. Each of us have been placed in this church. All of us are required by God to function interdependently with each other so that we can bring the fullness of the kingdom to fruition. And God, by design, has created us like that. It's no accident that God put us into community. It's no accident that God told us to be connected to Him. The vine, Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. We are connected to Him. He's connected to the Father. We are connected to each other. And when we start to separate ourselves and think we don't need to exhibit our gifts in the local church, the church is worse off for it. Paul says that we are members of one another, which tells me that my gift, the gift that God has placed in me, is not for my own good. It's for your good. And the gift that God has placed in each of you is for my good. In other words, I could say this, that your gift belongs to me and my gift belongs to you. If I withhold my gift, you don't get the benefit. If you withhold your gift, I don't get the benefit. And there's no better or worse gift. You might have more gifts that are more prominent, others that are not so prominent, and just like the human body, there's functions, there's all sorts of things that happen in our body, but every one of us are needed. And the church will only rise to the maturity that Jesus wants us to be, that spotless bride, when he comes back for us, when we are maturely operating in everybody's individual calling and everybody's individual gifting. Which brings us to our third point, and that is that we are unique. Unique. Some of us are more unique than others. Mm. <laughs> Romans 12 verse 6. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. I want you to notice that Paul didn't say this. Having gifts that are all the same. Having gifts that are meant to be the same. Please strive to be more like Brenda. Or please strive to be more like you know, Tim. Or please strive to be more like Kerry. Do what she does. No, having gifts that differ. Every one of us have a different gift. And guess how it comes? By the grace given to us. Now you might think, well, my gift isn't all that exciting. Well, let me tell you, it's needed. As unexciting as your gift may be, it's needed. And believe me, the more exciting the gift doesn't make it more important either. Just like the argument between these five kitchen utensils is nonsensical, What's more nonsensical is when the kingdom of God starts to elevate certain gifts above everybody else. When we start to think that because people have prominent positions, preachers that are on the stage, somehow they're better than me, that is nonsensical. It is not up to me, and I cannot do it to bring the kingdom of God to its fullness. It is up to all of us together. 
It's nonsensical. When we start to become insecure in our giftings, when we start to think, but my gifting isn't as good as their gifting, and if I use my gifting, then everyone's going to laugh at me. That is not the kingdom, friends. If the world's taught you that, you need to let go of it this morning. We need your gift, whatever it is. Psalm 139 verse 13 says this, For I formed your inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. When was the last time you stood in front of a mirror and you said to yourself, I am fearfully and wonderfully made? Not by anyone, not by my parents, but by the creator God of the universe. The same God who spoke creation into existence made me. Who are we to say we are not good enough? We can't do it, Lord. He created us. He's equipped us. And he's releasing us to do what he's called us to do. Wonderful are your works, Lord. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. Do you know God has a destiny for you? Sometimes I know we don't believe in our own destiny. Sometimes we believe that we've lost it, we've missed it, we're not going to get it. I want to tell you this morning, you're not going to miss it as long as you keep your eyes on Jesus. Let's imagine we could give the seven gifts that are listed in Romans 12 a color. If you put that next slide up, Alessio, you'll see here, this particular block here with these seven colors represents my gift waiting. Each of these colors represents one of the seven gifts listed in Romans 12. You're going to hear about them shortly. But that's how I'm made up. That's my gift waiting. That's how I operate in these gifts that God has given me. These are my strengths. There's, there's some of them that I'm not really that strong in. There's others that I'm much stronger in. Now, here's the challenge. If we add Catherine's gifting to this, what you will automatically assume as you look at it is these things are very different. You might even think that they don't even have anything in common with each other. You might think they're two different types of blocks all together. But if you look closely, what you'll notice is the same colors are represented in each of these blocks. In other words, the gifts that I have, Catherine has too. The difference here is which gifts are her priorities. Which are the ones that she is stronger in? Which are the ones that she excels in? And here's the deal. It's not that she's better than me or I'm better than her. It's that where I am weak, she is strong. And that's incidentally why God put me with my wife in marriage. Because guess what? If Kath and I were both strong at the same things, we would have a lot of trouble. Eh? We would butt heads. Maybe that's the problem. <laughs> but B, when, when, when the enemy comes and the attack comes and the trials and the tribulations of life come, we would fall down together. Instead, now there's one to lift up the other. And that's what happens in the kingdom of God. We are all given to each other. Why? So that when the days come, that it is going to be hard, that we need to stand alongside of us. There are those of us who can stand strong when we're facing certain things and other people can hang on us. And vice versa. It swaps around all the time. And the challenge is when we don't do that, when we don't allow our gifts to be made manifest and to operate in the local church, when difficulty comes, people suffer. We are uniquely and individually made, and it's in our togetherness that we'll cover all the bases. I had the fortunate privilege of being a part of a little league baseball team coaching. That was a big mistake. I coached with Derek Mills there. Let me tell you, we lost every game that season. <laughs> Not because of Derek, but because they put me, a South African, on a baseball team coaching kids. I don't even know what baseball is. I play cricket. 
right? Now these guys are running in circles. I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. Anyway, what I did pick up about baseball in the short time that I was coaching it was this. Every single player on the field has a specific function. Every player's got a job to do. They've got a piece of ground to look after. They've got a fundamental job to do. And guess what happens? If the pitcher decides now he wants to be the catcher and the catcher decides he wants to be the outfield and the outfielder decides now he wants to come in and be first baseman, you're going to have a big mess. It's only when all of us are operating at our strengths and in our gifting that we can cover the basis of life, that this church can grow into the fullness that God has for it. And that brings us to our last point for this morning, and that is we must be faithful with what God has given us. Romans 12 verse 6, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Do you see that? Do you see what God said? He said, hide your gift away. Don't use it in the church. Don't tell anyone about it because they might ask me to do something. That's what he says, right? No, he says, let us use them. Let us use the gifts. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. These are the seven gifts listed in Romans chapter 12. Prophecy, teaching, generosity, service, acts of mercy, teaching. Did I say that? Teaching again. It's like 12 gifts now. Exhortation. Encouraging. These are not all the gifts, by the way. Just so you know, the, the, the assessment that you'll do is based on these seven gifts, but these aren't all of them. And guess what? Paul's not listing these gifts in order of importance. He's not saying, ooh, the prophets come first. Make sure you take care of them. Then the teachers. No, no. This is just a list. Every one of us have something of all of these things in us. Some of them will be really strong at. Some we won't be. But please, even if you see something that's on here that you feel that you don't have, I promise you there's something of it in you, but you might have more gifts. Anywhere in Scripture that we find these lists, there's two places, but there are scatterings of mentions of gifts throughout the New Testament that is not an exhaustive list. God has uniquely gifted you with something, and it might not apply to anything we see in Scripture, but God's given it to you. As the series develops, we're going to unpack all of these different gifts in detail, just so you know, in your devotional book that you've got, will help you understand these gifts in more detail too. But what's important for us to understand this morning is that God hasn't given us these gifts because he had nothing better to do with his time. You know, he wasn't in heaven and said, man, I've got like a few hours to spare. Okay, I'm going to give Brenda this, Wendy that. You know, here's Kerry, she's going to get that. Clayton's going to get this thing because I don't know what else to do with my time. No, he gave us these gifts specifically. If he formed us before he knew us, before the foundation of the earth, and he saw the days that were formed for us, what he's put in me, what he's put in you is necessary for that plan to be fulfilled. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 19, uh, right through up to verse 29, we are told a parable, right? We all know this parable. It's the parable of the talents. It's that scary one that none of us like to hear. Well, I'm going to tell it to you again. I'm going to summarize it. We don't have the time to go through the detail. But the parable goes like this. Jesus is telling this parable to his disciples, and he says there was a rich man who owned a lot of possessions, a master, and he was going to go away on a trip. And so what he does is he calls his servants. He says to them, listen, I'm going away. I need you to steward my possessions. Take care of what I'm giving you. And so to one servant, he gave five talents. To the other servant, he gave two talents. And to the other one, he gave one talent. And so the story goes on. The master comes back. He calls all of his servants in, and he wants to hold them to account. He's saying, okay, so what have you done? What did you do while I was gone? And we know how the story goes, right? The one with five made five more, doubled it. The one with two 
made two more, doubled it. Jesus says this to them, well done, good and faithful servants. You have been faithful over much, over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And then you've got the guy who gets one. Now, we all know he was scared of his master. He had this perspective of who his master was. And so he takes the talent that he's been given. And what does he do with it? He buries it. He hides it. He covers it up. This is what the master has to say to him. You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. He calls him wicked. The point I'm making is that God has entrusted every single person in this room with gifts. Gifts that are designed to be multiplied. God is the God of multiplication. Those gifts in us need to be multiplied. What does that mean? How do we multiply gifts? Well, first of all, it means we use them. If you want to get better at something, what do you do? You practice. You train yourself. You pick up that weight. You do it over and over again. And all of a sudden, you start to realize, I have greater capacity today than I had when I first started. And so the first way we multiply our gifts is in ourselves. The second way we multiply our gifts is in others. Because our gift, my gift, is not for me. It's for you. And so when I release my gift and I use my gift for the sake of the king and the kingdom, then all of a sudden, people become equipped. And they take that gift, they use it in their lives, and they multiply it. They'll do exactly the same. One day they'll be standing. Some people might be able to preach the word of God. That's a gift that God's given you. And I'm sure we have many of them in this church. In fact, I know we do. And one day you'll be multiplying your gift by teaching other people how to preach or teach or lead or prophesy or exhort or encourage or give. Multiplication is what the kingdom of God is built on. And so it's our job to release those gifts, to multiply them. And so let me say this. Ryan, you guys can come up. If your strength is in prophesying, then prophesy. How do I use these gifts? Well, do it. Just do it. Don't be scared. Don't think, oh, what are people going to say? You know what? I long for the day. And I'm telling you this with all sincerity. I long for the day where we will have multiple contributions on a Sunday morning. Where it won't just be me getting up here and preaching and one guy getting up here and saying something that God's put on. I want to see lines of people saying, the Lord has spoken to me this week. He's deposited a scripture in my heart and he's asked me to bring it to the church. I'm praying for the day that that happens. And so if you've got a prophetic gift, use it. We will help you with it. We'll help shape it. We'll help you understand how to hear from God and how to speak. If your gift is in teaching, then find a place to teach. Come up and say, I love teaching. I have a gift. I have an ability to unpack complex things. How can I serve? And maybe it's not just in the church. Maybe it's out there. Find children that need to be taught. A lot of adults need to be taught too. If it's in service, then serve. If it's in encourage, then encourage people. Oh, I can't do that. I don't know them. Encourage them. Your gift is encouragement. One of the greatest gifts in the church is encouragement. We all need it, but we very rarely get it. If it's in generosity, then give generously. If it's in leading, do it diligently. If it's in mercy, do it with a happy heart. Just get on with it. And if we do that, if we operate in our gifting, each of us in this church, what we will see is that both us as individuals, but also us as a church, 
will rise up to the maturity that God wants us to. God said that he gave through the Ephesians 4 verse 11 gifts, apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and pastors. The gifts were given by Jesus to the church for the equipping of the saints. I believe these spiritual gifts exist for exactly the same purpose. To become the spotless bride that Jesus is coming back for, we need a mobilized church. We need a church that's functioning interdependently. A church where everybody's gifts are celebrated. Even the gifts that we don't see. This is not about a personality. Please. It's not about me. It's not about anybody else in this church. It's not about the elders. not about the deacons. It's about Jesus. And it's about the deposit that Jesus has placed in you. This church has great destiny ahead of it. I'm going to tell you that right now. And I'm not saying this to you because I have the privilege of being a part of this team that leads this church. But I'm telling you that because God's told us. And I believe what God says. Throughout our life as a young church, we've been spoken over many times. Words have been given to us of the things that God is going to do in and through us. But let me tell you two things are fundamental in us achieving those things. One, we cannot do it if this church becomes our agenda. We cannot do it if it becomes about our preference. We cannot do it if it becomes about what we want. It cannot, we cannot do it if it becomes about our fame or our glory. We can only do it if this church remains focused on the king and the kingdom. The second thing that we need to be able to fulfill all of this is we need God's people to rise up. This past week we were in Chicago, a bunch of us from this church at the NCMI Equip. And so let me give you a taste of what God is doing. And I want to say this to you to encourage you. It was an amazing time. Churches from all across this nation got together at our Equip. NCMI is who we partner with. If you don't know, that stands for New Covenant Ministries International. It's a group of gifts, gifts that are being released into the church. And on Thursday night, during a session, in the middle of a session, 500 people in the room, worship is being sung, people are being prayed for and praying for each other. The lady who's leading the session, who's preaching, says she has a word for the church in Austin, Texas. Now, initially, I was like, well, who's that? And I realized we're the only church in Austin, Texas. So everyone's like, no, go, go, go. She wants to give you a word. She wants to give you a word. She wants to give you a word. And word wasn't for me. It's not for cats. It's not for the eldership team. It's not for the deacons. It's for us as a church. And the word was this, that God is taking us in a new direction. Now, how prophetic is that? Why? Because I tell you, I love it when prophecy, when prophecy confirms prophecy. This year, we got a prophecy of Joshua chapter 3. We're going in a direction we've never been before. Follow the ark. Stick to God. She said, God is pivoting the ship that we're on. He's turning it in another direction. And then she said this. She said that, she's, that God is equipping us as a church, not to impact Lakeway only, not to impact Austin only, not to impact Texas only, not to impact the United States of America only, but to impact the nations of the world. She said that she saw from God that we will be a church who plants churches. Not one church. Not two churches, but many churches. Now, whether that happens today, tomorrow, or 10 years, or 50 years from now, I don't know. But what I do know is God has a destiny for us. And if we want to walk in the bigness of this call, friends, it needs all of us to be on board and on the ship saying, Lord, how do we get there? What do we do? How can I be used in this season to take your church where you want it to go? I want to bring this illustration full circle. I promise you I'm closing with this. I think most of us in this room will agree that's what's 
that what is far more important than this knife is the hand that's holding the knife, right? I mean, without the hand holding the knife, the knife is just a stationary object. It can't do anything. It doesn't cut on its own. I wish it did. It doesn't cut on its own. The hand that's holding the knife is the most important thing. And I feel like we've forgotten in this church and in our lives as individuals, and we forget so often that the hand that's holding our lives is the Lord's hand. He has created us on purpose, with purpose, and that purpose is to see His glory revealed to the earth. And so no matter how inadequate you may feel, understand that you have been designed specifically, intentionally, fearfully, and wonderfully made and gifted for something that God has put in you. Not in me, in you. And so no matter how scared you might be or how daunting these words might sound, you might think, Lord, I don't want to plant a church. It's probably you planting a church. Just so you know. I've been there myself, and here I am. No matter how daunting these words are, you never do it alone. You never step out in your gifting alone. You never take that act of faith and say, Lord, I'm going to put myself out there. And God says, okay, cool. Let me see what's going to happen. He says, let me hold your hand. In fact, let me direct you. I'm going to use you in a way that you never thought was possible. Can I ask us to bow our heads? I want to pray for us this morning. Now, obviously, I love to preach the gospel every time I preach. And so... If anyone really hasn't made a commitment to follow Jesus, that invitation is the first invitation that you're invited to. Jesus died on the cross, not so that you could become religious or better at what you do or be a good Christian. He died on the cross to save you from certain death. The Bible says that by grace we are saved through faith, and it's faith in Jesus Christ, in what He's done, not what we've done. And so just as a note, if you've never given your life to Jesus, then please come and chat to me. As we sing this last song, I want us to... Chris, can we sing new wine again? As we sing this last song, if you've never given your life to Jesus, come and chat to me in the front. If you're still uncomfortable with that, come chat to me after the service. But I want to pray with you. But the second group of people that I want to pray for this morning is those of us in the room who have allowed our gifts or the deposit that's been placed in us by God's grace to dwindle. We haven't used them for many various reasons. It could be that we're scared to, we're insecure to. Sometimes it's we just don't know how to. But I feel like God's going to breathe wind into those areas of your life this morning. If that's you this morning, and you need a fresh wind of God to move in your heart, in your life, and to re-energize those gifts, can I ask you to stand with me? I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray for a fresh touch from heaven. And I pray that God would release something over those giftings, something over those dreams, something over those destinies. When we stand up and pray, it's not a hocus-pocus moment. Believe me, I can't call fire down from heaven like Elijah did, but what I can do is I can believe in faith that what the Lord has said, He is faithful to fulfill. And so we're standing and trusting in obedience. Lord, I pray for every single person that's standing today. Lift your hands up to the Lord. Open your hands to receive. Father, I pray that you would pour your Spirit out on them afresh. That every area of gifting, Lord, that has been allowed to be shelved, sidelined, perhaps forgotten about for whatever reason, I pray this morning that you would fan into flame again. That you would give them a greater desire, Lord, to want to operate in those giftings, Lord. And you'll make the doors open that need to be open for that gifting to be released. And so I thank you for all of these people, all of our friends here today. And I pray that you would do something phenomenal in their lives. 
we need them. We thank you for bringing them to us, Lord. And I pray that we as a church would always steward the gifts of God well. And so help us to do that, church. And where we fail, Lord, we pray for forgiveness. But Lord, help us to steward all of our gifts together as we come to worship you and you alone. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, and the Lord of our lives. We pray this today in Jesus' name. Let's sing one more song and then we'll close. In the crushing, yes, Lord. in the pressing. 